It is truly a, a joy and an honor uh, to be here with you tonight. Um, my name is Thai, like your Thai, uh, Mitsumpan. And yes, all my students are required to uh, say Dr. Mitsumpan. This is what I tell my students. See, my wife is a kindergarten teacher. She's taught kindergarten for almost 10 years. And um, all of the, her kindergartners are able to say Mrs. Mitsumpan. So I tell my seminary students, grown adults, I say, if kindergartners can say Ms. Mitsumpan, surely you can say Dr. Mitsumpan. And so um, it's, it's no problem. So uh, my wife uh, couldn't be here tonight. She's at home uh, with our beautiful baby girl who is right at about three weeks old, um, our, our first. And so I am in this wonderful new season, and I see some of you nodding your heads. Wonderful new season of, of fatherhood as we're learning this rhythm. Yeah, you know, this, this rhythm. Sometimes the baby doesn't want to go in the same rhythm we want to be on, right? We're learning this rhythm. So if, if I suddenly um, tonight go into a prolonged state of prayer, um, so understand that I'm just trying to be real spiritual, all right? Um, I'm so, so, so glad to, to be here. I hope that uh, the last few days has been, has been good. I hope that it's, it's also been challenging. I think that as followers of Christ, we ought to continuously be in a state in which we uh, don't remain comfortable, but that we're continuously being challenged uh, in, our, in our thinking, um, in our hearts, in our actions. A, a good friend of mine um, always says that God comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable. And so I, I hope that uh, this week um, you've heard some things that maybe challenge the way you think or maybe challenge the way you live and challenge um, your, really your, your worldview. And, 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 uh, and so um, tonight I, I want to, um, that, that's my prayer as well, that uh, what, we, uh, what we talk about tonight uh, might be challenging for, for some of you, and, and, and I hope so. I hope it's, it's a good kind of, of, of challenging that, um, that causes us to uh, to, to be more like Christ, right? To, to have a heart that's, um, that's more reflective of, uh, of, of God's heart. And so, do we have a PowerPoint? No? All right. Great. So, the, the topic that I, I want to um, talk about tonight is, is the uh, topic of migration and God's mission. Migration and God's mission. Um, I'm only catching the, the tail end of this conference, but I, I already see that um, you know, a lot has been talked about uh, immigrants and refugees, and, and uh, really this is a description of peoples on the move, right? The nations as they are on, um, uh, on the move. And, and I want us to remember that, um, you know, lest we just think of, of the nations as everybody else but us, I want us to be reminded uh, that everybody is the nations, okay? <laughs> that when, when Jesus uh, was referring to the, the nations to his disciples, that was everyone other than the Jews, right? So uh, you are a part of the nations. And when we talk about migration and peoples on the move, I want us to also remember that 
um, although you may have lived in this part of the, the country or in this country, maybe for generations now, but that there was uh, some point in time in which your ethno-linguistic people group migrated from somewhere else, right? And so uh, whether that's my, myself, I'm a, a second generation, but uh, really I'm a what's called 1.5 generation. I wasn't born in the U.S. I was born in Southeast Asia in Laos, and my family migrated here. So my baby girl Eden Right when she she's gonna grow up here in the in the U.S. and and uh, Laos is gonna be stories uh, from her, her her dad and 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 her mom and her grandparents, but she's gonna grow up American. And so my migration has been recent within this past generation. But for some of you, perhaps your migration came from your great great grandparents who maybe came from Germany or maybe they came from England or maybe they came from Poland or maybe they came from Ireland. But that we are all a part of this this thing. That's called migration. And, uh, and so what I want us to see here is that we are now living in an age uh, in which migration is, 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 is seen, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's increasing, right? So much so that uh, it's often called the age of migration. And that's because there are now more people on the move today than there has ever been. More people are on the move today than in any other time in history. There are some key trends that uh, I want to to make note of uh, in terms of of, of migration. Um, On the next slide here, we'll see that there are three um, key key trends. Um, And uh, those trends are that, uh, first of all, that we see globalization of migration. In other words, what that means is that people are moving from everywhere to everywhere. People from everywhere are moving to everywhere, okay? I, I, I saw this uh, a couple of years ago. I was in the um, United Arab Emirates in the Arabian Peninsula. I was in a country called Abu Dhabi, and uh, it was my first time in, in, in the Middle East. And one of the things that really struck me uh, when I first landed and was there was how many Asians I saw, all right? I wasn't expecting to see a lot of Asians, you know? Um, so... As an Asian, right? You see other Asians, you're like, hey, hey, what are you doing here, you know? <laughs> um, I call that the Asian obligation. Um, you're obligated to talk to somebody. And so I uh, began to talk to these, to these folks and, and found out that many of them are from the Philippines. The Filipinos living in uh, an Arab country, uh, mostly Muslim country, um, and so I, I was at the mall, and man, I was just saw a whole bunch of Asians. Hey, where are you from? Well, I'm from the Philippines. Where are you from? I'm from the Philippines too. And, and so, come to find out that many of them were believers in, in, in Christ. They had migrated to the UAE, um, migrated to, to to Abu Dhabi, and they were working as as nannies and um, you know working with with these families. And and many of them said this to me. They said, um, uh, "We we believe that God has sent us here." To, to, to Abu Dhabi, and that, and that we, we have an opportunity to, you know, as we're nannies to, to these, these, these children and we engage with these Muslim families, that we, God has given us an, an open door to, to come and, and to, to engage with these people. Can you imagine that? Filipinos engaging uh, um, Muslims in Abu Dhabi. People are moving from everywhere to everywhere. I was in, um, uh, my wife and I got to travel to, to Europe 
uh, a little while back, and, and so we kind of hit all the, the major cities in, in Europe, went to Berlin and Rome and, and, and London and, and places like that. Um, I remember when, when we were in Rome, the place that, that we stayed at, there was a park nearby, and uh, um, in the evenings after we did all the touristy stuff, you know, we, um, we, we kind of retired for the evening, and we walked out to this park, and I remember... Uh, going out to this park, and there was a group of, of people who looked like South Asians, and they were playing cricket. Okay, all right. And then, and then I, I walk o- over a, a little bit further, and there was a group of, uh, of, of, of Africans. Uh, they were playing soccer. Okay, cool, all right. Walk over here. It's a group of Filipinos. They were playing basketball. Okay. <laughs> They're playing basketball. Very, very popular in the Philippines. Um, and so... I went and, and, and played some basketball with the Filipinos, asked the Africans if I could play uh, soccer with them, went over to the, to the South Asians, they were uh, Indian and Pakistani, and, and, and uh, asked them about cricket. And for a moment, I forgot I was in Europe. I forgot that I was in Rome, uh, because all the peoples were there. People are moving from everywhere to everywhere, and we're seeing this increase today um, in the 21st century globalization of migration. We also see um, a higher volume. There are more people moving today, uh, more people on the move than there um, ever has been. And then there's different types of migration. Um, you know, it's, it's not just refugees, right? Although we see that in the headlines on the news, but people are moving for a lot of different reasons. Um, people are going for work. Uh, people are going, you know, to, to study. Did you know that in the U.S. Uh, this year, there will be close to 900,000 uh, 900, International students studying uh, in the U.S., and uh, they're, they're mostly coming from, uh, from, from India, from China, South Korea. A lot of Saudi Arabians are here. A lot of people who come from some places that we uh, would say is, is unreached, um, coming from the 1040 window, uh, but they are here to study. What would that be like if, while they were here, they encountered Christ, and they were to take that back? Uh, and, uh, and most of the students who come to study are educated, great English, and they're probably going to be the prominent leaders in their, um, in their country. Uh, my wife and I befriended a, a young lady from Turkmenistan, um, and she was studying here for a year, and, and uh, I asked this young lady, I said, what is your dream, what is your hope and dream as you're studying here at the University of Memphis? Uh, you know, what do you hope to do one day? She goes, I-, I hope one day I can become the prime minister of Turkmenistan. So I hope you do too, <laughs> you know. And we've had her over the house. We've shared the gospel with her many times. She's since gone back, and uh, we've been able to, um, to continue to stay connected with her. But we see all these different types of, 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 uh, of migrations. We see the globalization, the acceleration. Migration is on the rise. Why is that? What's happening? Well, for one, there is um, a technology, right? A hundred years ago, uh, it wasn't as easy to go from, you know, um, over here to the other side of the world. Um, we're also co- uh, better connected. My brother lives in, in uh, south of Bangkok, Thailand, and, and uh, you know, a few times a, a week I, I get on Skype and, and, uh, and he, I get, you know, hey, here's, here's, here's your niece, and, and I see my nephews, and we're better connected. We can get on the Internet and find out about practically anything, any country, any culture, and we are better connected, and so that causes uh, more people to want to um, to, to, to migrate. So we're seeing this increase in migration. The question is, um, what is the biblical perspective, or what does the Bible 
uh, uh, teach us how should we view what's happening? How should we view the migration of peoples uh, from a biblical uh, lens? Um, and uh, I, w- I want to point your attention to uh, this passage, Acts chapter 17, verses 26 through 27. If you would turn with me to Acts chapter 17, verses 26 through 27. This is the Apostle Paul at, at uh, Mars Hill, and, and he's giving this, uh, this, this message um, uh, to, to, to the pagans of this, uh, of this city. And in this message, we see this, this truth of uh, uh, the biblical teaching on, on migration. So what it says in, in verse 26, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. There are three truths that I want us to see here from this, uh, from, from this text. And uh, the first is that God is sovereign over the nations. We see this in, the, in verse 26 where Paul says, from one man, he made all the nations. We all come from one man. We may have uh, different uh, cultures and different expressions of that culture today, but we trace it back to to one, and that God created all the people groups, all the cultures, all the nations from one man. And so he is sovereign over the nations, and in much the same way that we would believe that God is sovereign over the affairs of, of our culture and our country and what's happening, we've also got to believe that God is also sovereign over uh, what's happening in countries around the world. That he is sovereign over all the activities, all the, the, the things that are happening, that he is sovereign over the nations. Um, the, the second truth I want us to see here is that not only is he uh, the creator of the nations and sovereign over the nations, but he's sovereign over people's history and their geography. We see this in, uh, in the same verse after it says that he made from one man every nation to live on the face of the earth, having determined, God's sovereignty, having determined the allotted periods. This, this phrase here talks about the seasons, their seasons, the, 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 their histories, the time periods. Um, of their life. So he's, he's sovereign over that, and he's also sovereign over the boundaries of where they live. Okay? So God is not only sovereign over people's histories, but he's also sovereign over where they live and when they live in those places. So we see here that it is God who determines where people live, when they live there, and how long they will live there. How about that? (laughs) Where they live, when they live there, and how long they will live there. God is sovereign over that. This includes individuals as well as whole people groups. If you study the history of different people groups and the migration of of, of people groups, it's really interesting to see God's sovereignty um, over that. So that means that God is, in fact, sovereign over the fact that right now, as of today, Four million Syrians are no longer in Syria. He's sovereign over that. He's sovereign over the fact that now two million Vietnamese live in the U.S. He's sovereign 
over the fact that, as was mentioned, close to 900,000 international students are studying in the U.S. Where they live, when they live, and how long they live there. That a student from Turkmenistan would come and live and study at the University of Memphis for two years, God is sovereign over that. God is sovereign over the fact that there are Afghans, Iraqis, and Syrians in Bartlett. That there are West Africans in Whitehaven. That there are Sudanese, Somalis, Congolese, and Bhutanese in Binghamton, which is a neighborhood in, in Memphis. He's sovereign over the fact that a few generations ago, your Irish, German, Polish, English ancestors got on a boat, came to Ellis Island to escape famine and persecution and poverty and all those things. He's sovereign over that too. He's sovereign over the fact that 30 years ago, he brought my family from Southeast Asia to Nashville, Tennessee in 1986, September 10th, 1986. I had a chance to go back for the first time to Laos as an adult five years ago. And I remember uh, one of the things my mom said before I went, I went back. We went with our church and a, and a small um, uh, a team from our church to go do missions. Mom said, hey, when you go into the countryside, make sure you go into the rice fields. She said, I want you to see what mom had to do to put food on your table. <laughs> the back-breaking work that your mom had to do to cultivate the rice so that you can eat. She wanted me to see that. So I remember we went out. Uh, and we, you know, the people were so gracious to us, they let us come alongside them and really mess up their rice field. You know, we just, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're able to put it in just great symmetrical rows, and I'm sitting here like, ah, this is all over the place. Um, and, and, and I remember seeing a, a man about my age, I was, I was 30 at the time, and I remember seeing a, a 30-year-old man and his family, and there was a sobering thought that came across my mind just for a second, and, and, and I thought, I wonder how many decisions away uh, am I from, from that. That, 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 was gonna be, that? That would have been me. That if, if, if my father did not decide to escape from a political, uh, political camp and, and take my family and, and escape across a river so that we can uh, come into freedom, that I may have grown up in, in, in Laos, I may have grown up in this rural village, I may have never heard the name of Jesus, I, I, may, have never, I may have never been doing what I'm doing now, and then I think back of all the things that were happening in Southeast Asia at the time, the war and the bombings that took place and the people that were dispersed, the people that were migrating, the diaspora peoples, and, 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 and I've got to trust and believe that that is the sovereign act of God. The fact that I'm standing on this pulpit today, 30 years later, to share this message with you, is, is that God has been working and orchestrating all of that. J.D. Payne, a missiologist, says that God is the grand maestro orchestrating all of that. The third thing that, that, that we see here is that there's a reason for that. Not only is he sovereign over the nations and sovereign over, uh, over where people live and, and when they live, but he's got a reason for doing all of that. He's got a reason for moving people around and, and, uh, and, and for, for, for the migration of people. And Paul makes it very clear, verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. And he's not far from each of us. And so the third truth I want us to see in this text is that God uses migration to accomplish his redemptive purposes. He's not just saying, hey, I just want people to be scattered all over the place. There's a, a rhyme and a reason and a purpose that God moves people 
for His redemptive purposes. So I, I, I want to also show you here that uh, this is something that has always been a part of his redemptive purposes. That God didn't just look around and say, oh, oh my goodness, there's war here and these people are migrating. I better step in and act on it. No, that God uh, has been using migration throughout redemptive history. So if you will bear with me, I want to do a very just blast through redemptive history and see how migration has played a role. From the very beginning, Genesis 1.28 uh, Adam and Eve were told to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God's glory among the nations, fill the earth. Um, but we know that in chapter 3, uh, they disobey, and so God sends them out of the garden. Um, so we see them migrating out of where they were at. We see another instance of migration when the people uh, were, were not obeying God's command to migrate, to go, to scatter. They decided to want to come together at the Tower of Babel. And, uh, and so what did God do? God scattered them, caused the migration for them to be scattered, right? And then we see in um, Genesis 12 with Abram, before he was Abraham, he was called to to leave his land, to migrate, to go to a place that God is promising to him and that he and his descendants will be a blessing to all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth. That, Abram, if you would be faithful and migrate and leave and go, that I'm going to use you and through your descendants you will, um, you will be a blessing to all the nations. We know that Isaac and Jacob, their whole life, they were migrants. They were migrants. They, they were on the move. Right? Let's look at the story of Joseph. Let's think of the story of Joseph. Unfortunate things took place and happened to him. Did you know that Joseph is a, a victim of human trafficking? He was sold into slavery. This is what today we call forced migration. And it's happening all over the world. Forced migration. He is sold into Slavery, he goes into Egypt, but God's got a plan for him. God's got a plan for him. We know that he eventually ends up as, as the right-hand man of, of Pharaoh. Then his, his, his family comes during, during a famine, and they, they want to apologize to him. They're scared he's going to retaliate. And, and what does he say? <laughs> what does he say? He says, hey, 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 listen. That which you, you, you meant for evil, God meant for good. The fact that I was sold into slavery... The fact that I ended up in Egypt, the fact that I was a part of this, this forced migration into Egypt, God meant for good because God had a plan to preserve his people. Okay, so we see this in, uh, in these stories. The exodus, the fact that God's people um, were, were in Egypt uh, for 400 years outside of their homeland. The fact that afterwards when they were freed, they spent 40 years in migration in the wilderness as a result of their rebellion. We see the story of Ruth when um, Elimelech and, and Naomi migrate to another country in Moab. They, they gained a daughter-in-law. Later on, uh, they would return to Judah, and uh, Ruth would marry Boaz, and they would give birth to a person named Obed, who's the father of Jesse, who's the father of David. The lineage of which Jesus comes it's because they migrated to Moab, and so they gained a, a, a daughter-in-law, and then this person becomes the great-grandmother of David. There is purpose in this. 
and in the movement of peoples and where they are, the fact that they were in Moab at that time, for that time period. God it is all a part of God's redemptive purposes. The Israelites were taken captive to Assyria, and from there Isaiah prophesied about the birth of an eternal ruler who's going to be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Another group was taken captive to Babylon for 70 years, and from there, uh, that's where Jeremiah writes to them, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future, even in diaspora. Even when you are out of your homeland, even when you are in a place of, of, of you've migrated, forced migration to be in a place that is not your home, I've got a plan for you. All right? And so God's sovereign plan, even in the midst of migration. Many, many years later, the Jewish people are scattered all over the Roman Empire, and wherever they go, they built synagogues. And many would come back to Jerusalem during the time of the festivals. And so when Jesus was born at just the right time, when people were scattered all over, migration is taking place and God's people were scattered all over, when the Roman roads could take you all over the Roman Empire, Jesus was born into this, uh, this situation. You think God was sovereign over that? Absolutely. His followers were told to be witnesses uh, for him in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But they don't want to do that. They instead stay in, in Jerusalem. So guess what? Persecution breaks out in Acts 8.1, and the people were scattered. They were scattered. And everywhere they went, they spoke the word. The gospel message spread as a result of migration. How about that? I'm, I'm going to share some stories at the end here about how the gospel message is spreading because even through refugees. I have dear friends who are church planters and pastors in the Congo who are here now because they're refugees. And you know what he says to me? Brother Thai, God sent me here to revive the church in America. Persecution breaks out. God uses that. They go to places like Samaria, North Africa, and persecution and, the, and migration of people results in the planting of the church in Antioch the place where Paul and Barnabas are sent out. How about that? A church planted because of the migration of peoples, forced migration. So Paul uh, sets out on his missionary journeys, and he goes all over the Roman Empire, and every city, every place that Paul comes into, what's the first place he goes into? The synagogues that were there as a result of migration. (laughs) God had this planned out. Dispersed people ended up with synagogues so Paul can go and is laid out for him. It's a place for him to, to, to begin to take the gospel to the nations. In one place, he meets Priscilla and Aquila, a couple who were forced to flee from Rome. They end up in Corinth. They partner together, and, uh, and so the, 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 the church there was birthed. So Paul sees this, and so no wonder Paul makes his statement in Athens that in this, in this passage here that uh, God determines the allotted periods and the boundaries of people's dwelling place. In the last few minutes I have here, I, I want to share a story of, um, of migration and how God is, has used migration for his redemptive purposes. Um, a story that spans 30 years. Uh, it, it begins with a, uh, 
a couple by the name of David and Sandy Wood who were not followers of Christ. And one day they get a knock on the door. And it's Pastor Al Henson from Lighthouse Baptist Church down the road. Pastor Al Henson comes and he's making his visit through, through, the, um, through, the, through the area. He shares the gospel with David and Sandy Wood. And David and Sandy Wood become followers of Jesus Christ. Well, hey, guess what? This church, uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church, um, uh, they had a, a ministry that had just started reaching out to refugees who were coming in back in the late 70s and in the 80s. And so David and Sandy Wood, they were, there's really, God put a burden on their heart. And so they said, hey, we want to do something. We want to be a part of this. So David and Sandy Wood, in, in, in obedience, began to get involved with refugee ministry and begin to sponsor and welcome many, many, many families. I want to tell you about another man, uh, Ken. He um, grew up in, 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 in Laos and, and uh, as a result of the war, ended up in a, in a, in a prison camp. He had uh, a family of, of, of nine he escaped, uh, escaped that place and uh, ended up in, in, in Thailand. And uh, after two years, um, uh, after his application was, was accepted, uh, he found out that a couple named David and Sandy Wood in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, wanted to sponsor his family uh, to, come to come to the U.S. So they sponsored them. David and Sandy Woods, don't know Ken Mitzenpan, <laughs> sponsored this family, bring, bring them over to Nashville, Tennessee. And they begin to love on them, begin to care for them, begin to um, share about the love of God that is in them. Ken and, and his wife, as you figure out by now, Ken's my dad. Ken and, and uh, my dad and my mom became followers of Jesus Christ, began to take us to, to uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church, their, their, their ministry to refugees there. We become followers of Jesus Christ uh, over the years. Um, uh, God's got a call on, on, on my life, and I end up in, in Memphis, Tennessee to, to go to seminary. And, uh, and then I meet uh, a young man by the name of Prakash Sunawar. Prakash just came to the United States in 2009 from a country I'd never heard of at the time, which was Bhutan. And, uh, and so uh, I, I meet Prakash. He tells me his story. He's been in a refugee camp for, uh, for, for 16 years. Um, he's, he's been there for most of his life. Uh, we begin to minister to Prakash and begin to minister to his family. They become followers of Jesus Christ, uh, he and his family, and a church's birth in, in Memphis, our church, First International Baptist Church, and so what we see here is the obedience of David and Sandy Wood back in the late 80s, affecting a young man, Prakash Sunawar, uh, in 2010. But the story's not done. Because this December, uh, we're sending Prakash to Nepal. Because Prakash said, God has placed in, in my heart, I, I want my people to also know Jesus and so our church is going to send uh, this young man to, uh, to Nepal to do missions. David and Sandy Wood, let's, let's go back even further. Let's, 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 let's go to, to Al Henson, the pastor who reached out to David and Sandy Wood, right, who then uh, uh, reached out to Ken and Yam Mitsumpan. As a result, uh, God placed in, in Thai Mitsumpan's heart to work among refugees. As a result, Prakash Unawar and many Nepalese come to faith in Jesus Christ and who knows what's going to happen through Prakash's life when he goes back. But all of this took place as, how, how did that happen? How did David and Sandy Wood in, in, in Nashville, Tennessee, and this family was in Laos, and Prakash wasn't even born yet, and then, and then you know, this family from Nepal, and, and now all of that is working itself as, as God is using the migration of people for his redemptive purposes. So the question and the challenge I leave with you tonight is in light of understanding how God uses migration, 
How, how are you and your family, how is this church going to respond to the migration of peoples? Are we, we going to say, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's good for them, you know, or, or uh, no, let's, uh, we, we, we fear these people, they're, they're, not, they're unlike us. Or are we going to say, look, God has brought them here. And I wonder what God wants to do through their life. You know, I really hope and pray that Prakash becomes like the Apostle Paul to the Nepalese. I really hope and pray that, you know, because we, we just don't know God's plan. Look, before Paul was this great missionary, he was a persecutor of Christians, right? He was, he was zealous for persecuting Christians, and, and God just flipped his life, right? Who knows? That Syrian family that, that is now in, in Memphis, they may have a son or, or, or a daughter or somebody in their family that one day is going to be the great evangelist to the Syrian people. Who knows? That the, 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 the Somali who's, who's, who's living in Binghamton may be the person who really opened, that God uses to open the door wide in Somalia or to the Somali diaspora all over the U.S. Who knows, right? But how are we going to respond? So we start by, by examining our hearts and saying, are there things in, in, in my heart, are there certain prejudices or certain um, barriers in my heart that keeps me from engaging people of another culture? Or am I going to see it through the lens of the, of, of the scripture that God is the one who, who has determined that a lot of periods and boundaries of people's, uh, uh, their dwelling place? Am I going to respond biblically to the movement and the migration of, of peoples? And, and really... That the end picture is Revelation 7-9. The end picture is that the body of Christ is made up of people from all tribes, all tongues, all, 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 all nations, all languages. That's the end picture. We live in a period in which God is still gathering all of his people. He's using migration. For, for some, he's, he's going to send, right? He may send you like this, this family, this, uh, this precious family who's, who's committed their life to, they're, they're in the Himalayas, and, and God's going to send, Right? For, for others, God's going to send this way. <laughs> and so what are we doing to, to take part in God's redemptive purposes as we see him using migration?